welcome back to like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. I am quite honestly shocked that it took 314 or 15 of these episodes before we talked about today's main topic. Uh, we're going to talk about um, Packboro Racing. And if you've never heard about or what Packboro Racing is, it's essentially like this kind of uh, Colorado-based sport based around like the history of mining out here. Um, and I guess I could sum it up by just saying you basically do a trail race while running with a donkey. So it's essentially like a team sport if your teammate was not human and your teammate was uh, potentially known for the trait of stubbornness, which I don't know if that's fair, man. Like, and we're going to talk about a lot in this episode. I don't know if like just always, you know, connecting the donkey with uh, <laughs> the idea of being stubborn is is really like on point with what these animals are like. And I've done a couple pack burrow runs. I haven't not done a race, uh, which we'll get into. Uh, and I did the runs with today's guest, Mickey Cedarberg, who's amazing. I love this guy. Um, an awesome, awesome, awesome human being who has just happened to find himself uh, into this very kind of unique um, like offshoot of trail running. Um, I don't even know. Like, I guess I would, it's, I would say it's still definitely an offshoot of trail running, but it's so different. Like if you've tra if you've been a trail runner and you haven't experienced Packboro racing, it is a brand new ball game. And you might think to yourself, like running's running, like how, how much different can it get? And I have to tell you from experience, you're holding onto a rope with a giant animal attached to the other end. And that animal is just sprinting, just pun intended hauling ass right now i had to get a pun in i'm sorry i apologize i had to do it um but they're just going and you're just trying to keep up it is a whole different ball game and then on the other end of the spectrum when they decide that they're done and you still have a few miles to go trying to coerce and and almost like beg this animal to keep going like um it's unique to say the least and it is awesome like i loved doing this mickey invited me down for a couple of runs and i got to experience that and i absolutely loved it it was very 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 memorable um but i don't know if like just saying there's the d donkeys are stubborn all the time like i don't think that quite like really captures them i think instead of saying they're stubborn i think they're just like a good judge of character you know, like if you can't get the donkey to like go or do what you want it to do, they just they're just judging your character. Like you haven't won them over. You haven't won their trust yet. You know, like you got to like win them over somehow, which Mickey will get into. Um, and also, like, I just feel like they're very like self-assured, like they know what they want. You know, if they want to sprint, dude, they're going to sprint faster than you, most likely. Um if they want to stop and eat the grass on the side of the trail, they're going to do it, you know? And if you're a beginner, like I am and, and, uh, especially like brand new, like I was when I first joined Mickey on one of these a couple years ago, like they're, they know, like they can sense it, you know, like how they always say like sharks can sense fear. Donkeys can just tell, like they can just sense if, if they respect you or not. So, um, <laughs> but don't take my word for it because I've only done like two runs here. Uh, I want to do much more. I think it's amazing and we'll get into it. If you're like, this sounds insane. Um, it is not, it is a very cool, very unique sport, uh, with lots to take away a lot of lessons you can learn along the way. Um, so, and I'm, I'm super glad to have Mickey back on the show. We had Mickey on a long, long time ago when I did the very first like desert rats, 2018, reactions to that race so you can go back and listen then uh just an awesome guy though that i'm so glad that i've gotten to know become friends with um through ultra running and through this crazy sport of ours so let's just jump right into it this is the like a bigfoot podcast number 315 
with Mickey Cedarberg. I am very excited to welcome uh, my friend Mickey Cedarberg back to the podcast. You were on a long, long time ago uh, in the Desert Rats episode, but uh, but yeah, dude, I'm super psyched. I've been wanting to do this episode forever. Uh, Mickey introduced me to this amazing Colorado sport, um, which I got to do twice with you, and it's I want to do this way more. But the the uh, burrow racing. And I've been wanting to do this episode about burrow racing forever. So welcome to the show, man. Oh, thank you very much. Happy to be here and always a pleasure to talk about the burrows. Oh yeah, man. All right. So let's get into burrow racing just right off the bat and then we can go wherever it takes us from there. Um, I think there is a time in your life before you've heard about burrow racing, right? And then there's the time in your life after you heard about burrow racing. And I feel like that's like a significant moment for me. It was in high school. My dad was a high school principal out here and he was like, Chris, did you hear about this thing? Like people run with donkeys. And I'm like, no, that, that exists. That's a thing. And my life has never been the same since. Uh, when did you first hear about it? <laughs> um, oh, I first started hearing it probably before 2010, 2008, 2009. That was the first time I was out here in Colorado um, in the military. And uh, never took advantage of the opportunity to do it, but I saw it going up to Cripple Creek, and I saw the donkey derby days, and I saw the donkeys running through the street, and it just seemed like it was something that was so far away to be able to do because I didn't have a donkey, uh, didn't have a farm, <laughs> didn't have the resources to do it. It just seemed so far away, but the first race I saw was these two guys going down the street, donkeys running as hard as they could, and right at the finish line, both the donkeys stopped. And they're pushing and doing everything they can. The crowd's yelling. Uh, the energy was up. The donkeys just decided they're going to stop right at the finish line. Um, it was an epic finish. And right then and there, it was like, this is something I want to do. It just hit my bucket list instantly. Dude, so you've gone, like, I've, I've only done this t- twice with you where we've gone out on a run. It hasn't really been like a race, you know, like not a competitive environment. Um, is that normal for races though? Like do the donkeys get to the finish line? And since there's like a crowd of people and people yelling, like they just are like, nah, we're not finishing right now. So I think just like you asked before, that there's a difference before you do it. And when you after do it, you don't quite understand donkeys until you spend some time with them and yeah. why they do that. And that definitely was the case. Um, you know, they, they stop for many different reasons. And a lot of people think they're just stubborn. And the best thing is my mentor with Burrow Racing, who is this lady named Judy, who you met, um, is they value self-preservation. And <laughs> um, because they can see all four of their feet and they have giant ears, can see everything that's going on. And they're used to, you know, living in places like Africa. Um, they get overwhelmed with sensations and they freeze up and they'll yeah. stop. So when you're in a crowd or race like that, Donkeys are coming up beside them. People are yelling and screaming. They're kind of like, okay, this is something I'm not used to. I'm going to stop and figure it out. It's not that they don't want to move because you want them to move. It's just because they're overwhelmed. And uh, um, that's just part of the challenge is to build up that relationship with the donkey to get through those things and stuff like that. It's definitely a team sport. (laughs) Yeah, man. That's, I mean, that's part of the draw to it too is like, the fact that you are working with this other creature, you know? Oh, absolutely. And you, you get a bond with them and it takes time. Like I said, when you see it and you watch it and you read it and you see it on YouTube videos and so on. And once you learn the, the burrow and they're all different, they're, you know, and unique as any human is, and you got to learn what, what motivates them, what moves them. They all run different. Um, and sometimes you don't sync up with certain ones. And sometimes you sync up, you know, magnificently with them. And when you do sync up with a burrow um, during a race, it, I mean, they match your pace. You just hit it kind of a groove and the run becomes like easier than any run you ever had. When you do get that sync, they pull you up the hills. Um, you know, they keep an eye out on the terrain in front of you. Um, a lot of times if they do slow down and stop, they see something you don't see. So, um, you know, it could be a snake. It could be a, a hole. It could be anything. Um, they sense things that you don't see. So that's amazing, man. Well, I guess before we really dive into like the nuances and stuff, um, 
can you just describe what burrow racing is i just said it was running with donkeys and it is obviously like way more way more than that yeah uh colorado it has made this a you know a state heritage sport in 2012 they passed state legislation um that made this an official sport it dates back to like the late 1700s but Really, in Colorado, they started a world championship burr race in 1949 from Leadville over Mosquito Pass into Fair Play. And to this day, that race still happens. Um, the race happens from Fair Play to Leadville, though. They did it backwards. And Leadville still has that old race that they always have had. And it, it kind of celebrates the mining days. I mean, mining is what made Colorado what it is, where it drew a bunch of people here back in the late 1800s. And back in those days, they would race the gold claims with their burrows and donkeys, with all their gold painting equipment, um, and they would race these claims. Well, in 1949, they did a sport to kind of commemorate that. The other reason is, too, is once the mining started drying up throughout Colorado, um, they had these burrow races to save the towns. I think everyone's familiar with Leadville and what Leadville 100 and those ultra races have done is save those communities. Well, borough racing has done that all throughout Colorado and all these mining towns by having derby days and these races. Um, and it drew the crowds and people to come out to see them. Um, and, and how the sport works is you have 33 pounds of vintage mining gear that you take with you, an axe pick, a pan, and then you fill saddlebags up. And those are part of the rules that you have. And the Borough Western uh, Borough Racing Association is the the organization that governs all the rules and so on. I believe it's um, roughly the association, right? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> they, you can't do borough racing without ass joke every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted. Um, <laughs> and and you always know there's a newbie because by how many ass jokes they make when you're at a borough race, you're like they must be new and get to say ass for the first time. So. They're just excited <laughs> to say ass for the first time. <laughs> yeah. The veterans are kind of rolling their eyes. Okay, like, I've done oh, it. And, yeah, I've been there. <laughs> okay. But there's about 12 races throughout Colorado, and now they've expanded into California, Arizona, um, a part of this racing um, circuit. Every mining town, small mining town, I, you name it, in Colorado has a race throughout the summer, and they still have the... Uh, the world championship, the races vary from five miles to 30 miles. And the world championship has a long course, which is about 30 miles, and a short course of 15 miles. And, um, it, it, it you know, it, it, the people that do it are extremely serious about it. Um, there could be up to a hundred burrows there, um, at a race. Um, it, it is actually accessible for anybody to do this. They have vendors there who will rent a burrow out. You just got to give some time ahead of time to train with the borough and build a relationship. Um, and you can actually be a part of this race, which is what I did when I first did it, just kind of rolled into it. Um, but the race itself, it's pretty chaotic at first. It's a shotgun start. And as you can imagine, shotgun and animals, um, it's chaos <laughs> at the beginning. Um, and so, and you, and burrows and donkeys are pack animals. So throughout the race, they, they tend to pack up with other burrows and donkeys. So sometimes it's hard to race. You want to pass other ones. So you have to come up with tricks to hide them, to hide them from seeing the other burrows and maybe focus on the next pack. And there's all kinds of tricks are going on. But at the end of the day, the community is all about helping each other because it mm -hmm. can be dangerous uh, with a very large animal. So that you never feel competitive in there at all. It's just like an adventure with a bunch of strange people and a bunch of asses. <laughs> and you're just on an adventure and at the end whatever the results are they what they are so it never really feels competitive yeah. um but it's um yeah dude that's amazing man well i have i have a bunch of questions do you think so you mentioned like 1949 uh the first world championship happened uh it was for 500 bucks i looked this up earlier that's like a lot in 1949 i feel like and yeah. 21 oh, absolutely yeah 21 contestants show up competing for 500 dollars. like that seems like it's a pretty big deal and you mentioned it was kind of a strategy to draw people back to these mining towns as the mining was whatever the the word is for mining but like drying up basically like they're they weren't as focused on mining anymore people were moving away 
they wanted to get some uh, income in these towns. Um, do you think that like modern day, like Leadville 100, do you think it kind of like drew inspiration from these borough races almost? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, um, it, the, the people that can get into the mountains in these borough races were like the first mountaineers, the people that we idolize and, and ultra running. Um, they'd venture back on the old mining trails. There weren't running trails back in 1949. Those were mining trails. Yeah. And they knew those passes because of the mining. So if it wasn't for that, I mean, the trail running in those areas wouldn't be what it is today. Yeah. Dang. And I saw like, like kind of like varying theories of of the first people that actually like ran with the boroughs and i think you're 100 correct it has to be like two people who have found a gold uh they're like trying to get a gold claim in rushing back to to like claim it or whatever yeah yeah and, and they would have races the claims kind of back in the late 1800s where they used to race for free land out in the west they would just have races to claim. They'd say, okay, we know there's gold here and the fairest way is race to it. <laughs> First <laughs> no one there gets that claim. That's and so it gets the gold, really. Yeah. That's, and could so you imagine that? Yeah. That's so crazy. Just being like, hey, if you get there yeah. first, you get this land. You're like, what? Yeah. And, and uh, the other thing too, I mean, I would love to see, like they lived with those donkeys in their burrows like every day and have relationships with them probably you know not the same as we do we're doing it as a sport you know it's not our livelihood to have the burrow every day at work with us right um that burrow those donkeys were with them constantly so they had a relationship with them it would have been amazing to see like how well they teamed up compared to today yeah yeah oh that's amazing well so talk us through your history a little bit like you said it was a bucket list when did it when did you finally decide you were going to actually give it a shot after when i left colorado i went to california for the military when i came back i knew that was one because i got you know I, I got exposed to it when i came back it was one of the first things i wanted to do so about 2014 um i researched it and i found out you know i found a race in idaho springs uh, Colorado, uh, and it was only a six mile race. And I reached out to this, this organization called Laughing Valley Ranch. And one of the founders of the organization, um, um, Bill Red, Redtail, they call him, he, and he's legendary in his community. I think he's like 74 years old, still does these races constantly. Um, <laughs> he looks just like Santa Claus. Um, and he, he'll bring about 15 burrows out um, and let you rent them out. So I just on a whim reached out to him and uh, I didn't get the opportunity to go train with him ahead of time, but he said, that's fine. He goes, we'll do some training, you know, an hour before the race, show up <laughs> a couple hours and we'll do a little bit of training and yeah. see what happens. And so he's like, how fast do you run? And he matched me up with a donkey named um, Bur uh, Bandit, uh, who was known as one of the faster burrows that he had and in, in the racing community. Um, he said, yeah, he said, you only run with bandit if you're about a six minute or faster, uh, mile runner. Um, and, uh, we started the race. Um, and I remember blasting up the hill, my heart rate, I thought it was going to explode. Um, <laughs> just explode. Uh, cause the burl, you know, yeah, I don't know how to control a burl yet. So it's running its pace and I'm just trying to keep up thinking I could run faster and, and that's not humanly possible. Um, I remember blasting down a hill looking at my watch at the time and i was a sub five minute mile at one point in there and the donkey's up in front of me just full gallop and i'm just hanging on for dear life and like i'm gonna fall on my face <laughs> Dude. And, uh, uh, yeah that's it was crazy man oh my god that's like the very first one was that yeah that's being thrown into like into the fire right there just be like hey here you go <laughs> sprinting absolutely and that's that's one of the thing is you know your first experience is kind of like that you know you just it's kind of like you're just kind of winging it and you're going to learn as you do this more often how to control your burrow and how to get them to kind of run your face and build that relationship i definitely didn't have a relationship with bandit uh it was all bandit <laughs> and me just hanging on for dear life but that was my first exposure to it in 2014 um and then I did, did another race in Georgetown. Um, 
And then I found out there was an organization close to me here that wasn't a couple hours away called Saving the Wild American Burl Foundation. And that's when I really got involved with the burls and understanding them. Um, that organization works with the uh, Bureau of Land Management of rescuing burls and donkeys from the wild. And they don't just support burrow racing, but they support 4-Agers and shows throughout um, the region, you know, on for horse shows and so on, and they bring burrows to them. But they give them a purpose, um, and they rescue them from the wild. They were in holding pens in Wyoming or, or Nevada, and they're straight from the wild. And they train them and get them used to people. And burrow racing is just one of the avenues to give them a purpose. And that organization has about 16 burrows. And since about 2016, right before I deployed, um, I've been heavily involved with just the maintaining, feeding them, taking care of them, um, doing other events with them and learning about the burrows and their characteristics and definitely developing some relationships with uh, the different burrows. And that's that's pretty much how I got involved with it. Um, I will say my involvement really got off, just really took off when I was taking care of them um, and helping them with their medical issues and so on. Um, I think that's where I really got hooked. It, you know, the racing is fun, but when you take care of that animal and then it, it responds yeah. to you and gives you, you know, it shows you, you know, kindness back. It he hauls that shit or comes up to you and gives you a nudge, man. It just hooks you in. You're just hooked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Well, so once that, that very first race with bandit, when it, when it took off, and you're just trying to keep up. How did the rest of that race go? Like, was it just sprinting the whole entire way or did eventually like it kind of slowed down and you had to kind of, you know, coerce it to keep going or what? So they, they're, they're, they're pack animals. So that run, it was trying to catch every other donkey or a burrow in front of them. And right before the end, there was no more burrows to, to catch. The, the winners were far enough ahead that, they weren't in sight and they already finished. So about two blocks out, it decided to stop. <laughs> so I would say full fledged, all out running for, you know, you know, at least five and a half miles into the six mile race. And then of course the last couple blocks just decide I'm going to stop and walk now. <laughs> so, um, and of course other burls are coming up behind me and you've got the racing instinct kicks in. So you're trying to, pull them as hard as you can slap them in the ass whatever you got to do to get them moving and yeah it's it's it became a um a battle of wills at the very end (laughs) yeah well so you kind of like touched on a little bit of what my experience was like that very first time uh joining you we went and did like an eight mile um i would describe it as like a figure eight kind of thing where we did like a four mile loop came back towards that middle part, which is going to become very important in the story in a second. And then, uh, did another like four mile loop. And I remember, you know, just like you said, like you have to form a relationship. Like it's, it's almost like the donkey has to like respect you, you know, and I show up and I have not earned any respect whatsoever from any of these, uh, animals, specifically, uh, princess, which if you want to like, can you give like a quick history of princess? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Princess is one who I run with all the time now. Yeah. And I will tell, I mean, I'll, I'll make this claim on princess any day of the week and, and, and in burrow racing, I think a lot of some people they, that they know princess would, would agree with me. She's probably one of the fastest burrows out there. Um, but not the easiest to control. <laughs> so she will definitely run you in the ground unless you control. But you are absolutely right, Chris, about building a relationship and the animal has, the burrow has to respect you. And you kind of have to get that from the very, very beginning. Um, simple things as them wanting to eat grass, you know? Yeah. You know, you're not out there to eat grass. You're out there to race. So giving them tugs and jerks, you know, um, and being forceful about moving them. Um, but every one of them are different and they require different motivation methods to do it, running in front of them, running behind them. And you, you have to know the animal to build that bond and that respect. Um, so you're absolutely right. But princess, uh, princess is, I think 11 years old now. Okay. Um, she, um, her, uh, her parents were wild burrows. She's offspring of wild burrows, but she didn't come straight from the wild. Um, 
but she is kind of a, a dominant burl. Um, she kind of wants to have her way with the other burls. She eats first. She'll fight for food. <laughs> so that that's her personality, and that's one reason why she's kind of hard to control. So, But you never have a problem getting her to run, without a, without a doubt. She will always run when you want her to run. So. Yeah. Oh, I found that out. Yeah. I found it out the hard way. So here's the, <laughs> so you guys, you know, you you kind of taught me the the basics and stuff. I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna do whatever Mickey um, and Judy tell me to do. Uh, and so I respected Princess. I'll say that right off the bat. I don't think she respected yeah. me whatsoever. And I remember you telling me like, hey, you either run in front or you run like kind of behind to the side with your rope and stuff. Um, but like, uh-huh. don't run directly on the sides of them. Right. Is this, am I remembering this? Correct? It, that, it just all depends on the burrow. Um, okay. But you know, it just all depends. Some of them, you know, behind them and you drive them from behind because yeah. their eyes stick out and they can see all four of their feet. So some of them respond better to that. Some respond with you up front. There, there is a theory that to slow them down, is a sprint and get in front of them and slow down. And I found that to work too, but every burrow is different. Um, some beside, some front, you just have to learn to burrow. But with princess, you're exactly right. You're kind of, you're kind of a little bit behind her off to the side. Yeah. And I was like directly off to her side. And I just remember we started off and she's like dead sprint. We're following you and you're running with a flash, I believe. Um, and yes. she's just like dead sprint. And I'm like, whoa. And in my brain, I'm like, there's running before you burrow race, just like hearing about it, right? But there's running, there's knowing what running is before you do a burrow race. And then there's running afterwards. And you're like, I didn't even know what running was. Like, I had no idea. I'm just like, like, it's like you're reacting to everything, at least for me, like being out of control newbie. You know, like I'm like reacting to everything. Like I've, I'm, I'm in zero control of anything in this situation. And um, like when you're trail running, it's weird because you're in control of like every variable. You're in control of your pace, where your feet are landing, all of that. And with burrow racing, it's like, whoa, I, I am just responding to whatever is going on here and tr- like hanging on for dear life. And I remember being on her side and she's like, legit just like trying to see how i'd respond if she's like jacking like just hitting me with her head and like knocking me off the trail almost and and like at one point a kick i always tell my students i'm like yeah i went i went burrow racing with a burrow named princess and she almost kicked my face in it was awesome (laughs) but i loved it but it was this weird thing where i'm like why is this so incredibly awesome when I am also terrified for my life. And I think it was this whole idea of like doing a new thing and, you know, trying to understand like, oh, like it was nice kind of being out of control, I guess, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Oh, absolutely. And I, that's part of like, um, I mean, it's, it's a break from life, right? You can't yeah. think about all the small, you know, minuscule things because you're focused, like you said, on your life, a 300 pound animal, um, and trying to get it to go. You're a GPS for them, really. They're the engine yeah. and you're just a GPS and you're trying to guide them. And it's funny because like, you know, you go for a trail run, you get the whole trail to yourself, but in, with burrows, they own the trail and you run on the side. Yeah. Yeah. So you're like <laughs> and hopping so- rocks and like trying not to break your leg or twist an ankle. And it was kind of, for me, I'm like, oh, this is the culmination of all that I've been training for in trail running because now I'm like, I'm have to respond, like I have to be completely flexible in every moment, I guess. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, the nudging, like Princess is a notorious little nibbler. She'll nibble my arm, but you also, it talks about having respect the animal. You know, I would not pop her, but I would pop her in her mouth as hard as she bites me, and it builds that respect up. So every animal is kind (laughs) of unique and different like that. You know, some, when they get excited, they kick. They're not trying to kick you. They're just, they're like, this is fun. I'm having fun. And so you have, you know, that's part of it too. And it, it's just, it is scary. Yeah. Um, just if you're not yeah. exposed to it often. 
dude she's a complete badass though like that and like you said so fast so incredibly fast it was crazy yeah and you talked a little bit about flash and flash is a, a leadville winner short course years ago and is kind of really notorious uh burrow as well um and the difference between the two is flash you know will, will adjust to your speed um flash has done a lot more running with people so she's kind of more easier to manage um so sometimes it's a trade-off do i want the fastest donkey yeah. or do i want a donkey or a burrow that i can control and so um yeah you sometimes would rather have a burrow you can control <laughs> <So>. yeah <laughs> no that's all well so what happened was we ended up switching like halfway i think because you i was you probably yeah. were smart enough to be like chris is gonna die if we don't switch right now no. <laughs> well you have you have to have the full experience a little bit and princess will definitely give it a full i loved it dude experience. i'm so glad i had the full experience because it instantly made me respect the sport and respect the animal like instantaneous i was like whoa this is wild this is awesome and so we switched though and it was just funny because i remember you were kind of like teaching me along the way and stuff and we do our figure eight and we come back and we're like in the middle of the figure eight and the burrows like look and they can see the trailer where all their food is and stuff and we have to be like no 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 you're not going to the trailer you're going straight up this hill for like the next half mile sorry burrows and they just were like the hell we are and they just kind of like stopped on the side of the trail <laughs> and so the, it was just so cool man like i feel like i had the whole experience where the first half was this crazy fast like pushing me way outside my comfort zone and then the second half was us trying to like figure out ways to get them to actually like get moving and stuff like that and it was awesome man i, I loved it yeah, that's 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 what burrow racing is. It's, it's <laughs> you're never going to be able to run the whole thing, and there's challenges in problem solving. Most definitely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and I don't so remember when we saw the. Do you remember when we saw the horses on the route? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and horses and burrows just don't. There's a saying: horses run and fight, um, burrows stay and fight. And um, they definitely have an interesting relationship when you come across horses. Horses will stay clear of burrows. So I don't know if you remember that, but uh, I remember the horses uh, off to the side and just kind of froze as we went by. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then uh, the second time I went with you, only the second time I've ever done it, which we need to change next spring. I'm totally, I got to figure something out so we can, uh, we can, I can do a race. I want to do a race at some point. But the second time <laughs> we went in Colorado Springs, and met ya, and we were um, there on like a equestrian day or something like that, right? Where it's like all sorts of people. It's like burrow racers, people riding horses, like everyone out doing this loop. And that whole time, all I could remember was you telling me like, horses don't like burrows. And every, you know, couple minutes, you'd be passing a horse and I'm just like, oh my God, <laughs> what's gonna happen here? <laughs> so yeah. absolutely it is unpredictable on how they're gonna act so <laughs> and then remember i had to go back to the trailer before you guys uh because we were we were out there filming and stuff like that and uh you were like yeah just you know put the put i had freedom was my burrow and put freedom in the in the trailer and the whole time i was like i hope i can pull this off like i don't know if i can and I will say freedom was awesome. Like that burrow did everything that I needed the burrow. To, like, you know, I was just, it was a really cool experience. Cause it was like, oh, this, it like trusted me like almost instantly, which was really, really cool. And I, I think it was just you and freedom. Nobody was around, right? I was the whole time. As soon as you and your son, like went ahead and i went to the left or whatever it was i was like oh my gosh like mickey's my life jacket here and he's going away <laughs> yeah and that's how i trained my son was sometimes you just gotta let people be alone with the burrow yeah. and go out and have that one-on-one -on -one experience and and then the confidence comes out like crazy so yeah man well so i want to hear about a couple other kind of like how many races total have you done at this point 
Um, I've done uh, just under a dozen, some small, some big. I haven't done the world championships yet. That's my goal this year. Um, you know, these aren't my burrows, they're rescues. So, you know, I have to be respectful of the time of that organization. Um, yeah. So, but this year we do have a goal to hit the world championships. I've done a dozen of them, um, small and big ones. Probably, I think last I calculated, almost 100 training runs with them over the years. Um, I'll be out there this Sunday, actually, with them doing a run um, and some four-agers. So, yeah, but just under a dozen right now. So That's cool, man. What uh, Was there any specific race that really stands out as, like, really memorable, either for good reasons or reasons that were tough? Absolutely. This last summer... Um, it was at Greenland Open Spaces, which is not a mountainous area. It's kind of a flat area. So it doesn't have the scenery of a lot of the other races. But um, I was able to have my wife and my son run the same race. We trained all summer in it. And uh, they ran with two, two burrows as well. And I did. And we all did our kind of our own pace thing. Just the fact that I had my whole family out there doing it, um, that by far was the most memorable and, and definitely something i'm so proud of <laughs> yeah i love that moment watching them finish yeah oh that's so cool man that's yeah so what has it meant for your son your son's like a, a high school athlete right now we were just talking about before we recorded about dad mode of driving being a bus basically being like transportation system and you guys are out all the time <laughs> at like wrestling meets and all that stuff so yeah like what is it what is it like for a high school athlete to be doing burrow racing so you're from Iowa. We're both from Iowa and we, you know, around the country life. Right. Yeah. Um, I wanted to expose my son to that. Um, I, my grandparents were farmers, so I wanted to expose him to that, the country lifestyle. We don't live on a farm. We can't be out there every day, but I want him to know that there's animals out that need care and you got to be there for them and take care of them, which is the real reason why I got involved, got him involved with it. Um, he doesn't, he for the longest time would not talk about or shared like a share and tell at the school. He was kind of like, I do burrow racing. No one needs to know about it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he thought he was too cool for it. Yeah. But since um, he started high school wrestling, um, he started to see the benefits of coming back from summer and being fit um, and also just managing a 300 pound burrow and being a kid that's, you know, 106 pounds, you kind of develop some strength from that. So yeah. He started to see the benefits of it, and now he, he tells his friends about it, and um, they accept it, and they want to know more about it, and they think it's weird and cool and all in the same, and never heard of it. So he's gotten the, the hype of that, you know, hey, I do something different and unique. Yeah. Um, but I will say the bond that him and I get from it, just, you know, some days, you know, he, his, his burrow and him are synced up. He runs with Flash. And they'll beat me. Um, it's just because that day their 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 relationship is really good, and um, we're kind of on equal playing ground depending on our burrow's mood. <laughs> so, yeah. dude, dude, you touched on something there. Like, I don't know. I think it's so important for kids, especially young kids, you know, in in high school, to have something that is almost unique to them, and it's something like to have something that other people in their school might not necessarily do as a hobby. And I think that is really important in like building self-confidence and also the confidence in just being okay, being yourself and being what you're interested in. Like, I think there's like this kind of like, it, that's almost like an unknown factor for a lot of successful kids um, that I've taught and have kind of, you know, seen gr like grow up throughout their high school career. Like, I think that's really cool. And of course, that can be many different things, not just burrow racing. But but I do think that's that's something that I think will be really important to him, like as he goes, like grows older and stuff. Yes, absolutely. And he, I think I don't know if it's because of the burrows, but he wants to be a veterinarian now. And uh, he's learned a lot about the feet care, um, the hoof care of, of burrows. So um, it has definitely inspired him for what he wants to do in the future. So, Hey man, um, that's exactly a great, right that's a great college entry, uh, letter he gets to write or whatever. You know what I mean? Like we have to write an entry thing to like uh -huh. vet school. He'll be like, yeah, I burrow raced when I was 14. And they'll be like, that's awesome. No other candidates have done that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Absolutely. You definitely got to take care of your burls. And you probably remember when we did the races, you got to, you know, clean their hooves and uh, clean them up, get them ready to go. And that's part of the process to get them ready to race. They know something's coming when you start that prep actions. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, it was funny. I was just watching, I don't know if you've seen it. You probably have, there's like a Solomon video about burrow racing. Um, it's like a, probably like a seven or eight minute short film. And while I was watching it, one of the, you know, kind of experts, uh, on the sport talked about how it's important to be polite, considerate, respectful, uh, which I'm sure like people don't really think of when they're first getting into it, you know, like I only knew, I only knew about that because of the, uh, running with Sherman book by Christopher McDougall. And he talked about that a lot and like, it's just, it's a good lesson to learn. Like I can't just go in and just bully this thing into doing what I want it to do. Like it's a humbling thing, (laughs) you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and you do have to build that relationship with them. And there's a lot of different ways of doing it. The main thing is just spending time with them yeah. and learning what they like and what they, what they don't like. It's just like humans, but um, it's an animal and it speaks another language than we do. And that's why I think it's the people in burrow racing <clears throat> love it so much is because you're, you're having a bond that's, it's not a human bond. It's an animal and yeah. that you can share an experience like that. Um, I did remember, I found out a, a number the other day that less than a thousand people have burrowed race. So when you do it, you're doing something that not a lot of people have done. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Well, can you describe one more time? Like, what is the start line? Like, like you show up, there's everybody's there with their burrows and then someone just literally shoots like a shotgun into the air and then pure, like from what I hear, <laughs> pure chaos ensues. Like what, what has the start line experience been like for you, um, throughout, you know, your, your dozen races or so. So, I mean, you have to also put in context that you have to get your burrow there. Yeah. It's an early day. You have to load a burrow. You have to put it in, you know, and hopefully it cooperates. It gets in the trailer. You got to make the drive. Yeah. When you get there, you got to, you know, get your burrow ready, prep it. And then you have to get yourself ready. So there's a lot of anxiety between you and those animals building up. And now they're all exposed to new burrows, new sounds, a new town. So anxiety is just building and building and you can feel it. Um, the burrows are kind of, you know, being forced to stand behind a start line. Um, you know, go into the bathroom. They don't go to porta potties. They just do it right there. <laughs> so all that anxiety just is building up. The burrows are moving around. There's going to be race announcements. You're like, hurry up, hurry up. Let's just get started. Yeah. Yeah. Get your burrows turning and all that. And then, no kidding. When that shotgun goes off, um, whatever direction the burrow, no kidding is facing. If it's facing the other way, it's going to run that way. It's not going <laughs> to run down the course. They just go every direction. Oh my gosh. Um, and no matter how many times you do it, you just don't know how, how, you know, you, you can, you can't plan it for it too much. You just have to just go with it. Um, there is a rule is if you lose control of your burrow, wherever you lost control, you got to go back to that spot um, and run from there. Otherwise you're disqualified. And they're, they're pretty serious about those rules. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that first hundred meters to the first mile, it's just, uh, you know, just a wild herd of animals and humans running as fast as they can. <laughs> so <laughs> that sounds like a full contact sport just for that first mile. Like that sounds yeah, you're intimidating. <laughs> yeah. You're going to get bumped around. You're going to get, um, you know, hopefully not kicked or anything like that. Um, you know, and it's just, and you're trying to control your burrow and get them to run your pace. But for that first bit, you know, you just have to kind of be ready to it's a speed workout pretty much an interval workout. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also like you just, exactly. dis- you describing just standing around waiting and being like, hurry this up. Like we don't need all these announcements. We got to go. That just reminds me of while I, like last year I was flying with, it was just me with my three kids and just waiting to, to board. I'm like, we have like five minutes of just standing here to board and all hell is going to break loose during these five minutes. My kids are going to run into people. They're going to be like dancing and like tripping over each other. There's potential for like 
urgent care need, you know, like at some point, depending on how crazy they get, like, that's what it sounds like. And just to like, how many, how many people are doing like an average, uh, race in the summer in like one of these towns? Um, anywhere between 20 to a hundred. I mean, you go to things like Leadville, yeah. you're going to get close <laughs> yeah. to a hundred. You go to the world championships, you, those big ones, but 20, I mean, I've not seen them under 20 too much. Um, besides some of the little local ones that we did, but usually 20 to a hundred anywhere in there. So I mean, even 20, yeah, even 20, I'm like, that's 20 people and 20 boroughs. And that's like a big start line, you know, like think about an ultra you've ran. That is a, fairly decent sized start line and then you know if you get to the ones with 100 and now it's like me standing in line for the airport or for the airplane but like that but with giant animals and a hundred of that <laughs> it sounds so crazy dude <laughs> it um, is it is your heart rate definitely gets going before the race even starts are you trying so. to be like extra calm you know like if the donkey's getting anxious and stuff like are you trying to be extra calm in the moments or like you know i don't know like are they feeding off of your energy too or are you or are you just like now nah, we're both nervous this is like of course you're going to be nervous they definitely feed off your energy and that is a huge part of it that's the difference between some of the the world championships the world champions and some of the you know the, the newbies right world champions are calm they know how to, to kind of calm their animal down or their burrow down I walk circles with mine that to get okay. their focus kind of just on walking, yeah. keep them moving, you know? Um, some people are petting them. Some people are stroking the ears or underneath the chin. Um, you know, it, it depends on the method of training they use with their burrows um, and just go back to those, those, those tools and keep using it to calm them down. So you're using everything in your arsenal that you know about your animal to calm them down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have you, uh, what's like the craziest thing you've witnessed at a start line or during a race with, uh, like maybe not your own burrow, but maybe with someone else's or whatever. Um, it, Chris Ward almost getting kicked um, in the face by princess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at Greenland this last summer. Yeah. Definitely seeing like the full kind of bucking burrow one did. Okay. Um, and don't really know, know why. And I think it was because it was a, it was a wild, it came from the wild and they rescued yeah. it. This is one of the first races it ever did. Yeah. And there was something wrong. Like uh, it felt something on its leg. It didn't like, and it did the full buck, you know, and went off. But most of the people know the number one rule with burrow racing is let go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you feel unsafe, let go. And that's exactly what happened. And as soon as it did two bucks, they let go. It walked off, started eating grass. They walked over there, brought it back. All was good. But it was definitely in full kick mode, and wow. uh, yeah, that was that was kind of kind of wild. So. Two bucks, let go. That's a good rule. I like it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Just let go. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, you can always like it's eventually just gonna walk, like eventually gonna run over to grass somewhere and start eating, right? Like, there's no, it doesn't happen where they just run away completely. I mean, it depends. You know, some of these burrows come from the wild, and this is oh, a whole yeah. new okay. experience okay so but people all the people and the vendors that bring out the burrows they know these these animals and they know which ones you know they're gonna te they're gonna team you up with a burrow that you can handle yeah, um, yeah. that if if you're a newbie that it will just walk off and eat grass but there is stories of them you know running um a long ways away and uh, you know and stuff like that but a lot of times you try to know your animal um so that that don't happen and you team up right. And if yeah. you're going to take those chances, you're just prepared for it. So, yeah. And can you talk a little bit about Judy? She was awesome or she is awesome. And just like this wealth of knowledge when it comes to, um, understanding these animals. Absolutely. I love talking about Judy. Judy has been my mentor with all this. I think once I, um, started to get to know Judy. That's when I really got hooked into this and not just burrow racing, but the appreciation for burrows. She's been doing this for years. Um, you know, she, she's just got a little age on her, but she used to do these burrow races many, many years ago, 20 years ago. Um, she's always been involved with horses and burrows, but burrows are her favorite. Um, she, she runs the foundation. She has roughly 16 burrows out there. 
Um, she, everyone has a different training philosophy, but she brings in some of the best trainers um, and she's researched um, one of her philosophies of training that she taught me that I always was um, kind of in awe of was um, if you were afraid of heights and somebody was to come up behind you and push you towards that edge, you're going to freak out. You're going to get scared. You're not going to be comfortable. But if someone grabbed your hand, said, let's take a mm. step towards this edge and then give you comfort. Well, that's the same philosophy we use with the burrows. If they stop and they see something off in the distance, it might be a dog barking. Well, we stop instead of me just drag them towards a barking dog. And I, I talk to them and I'll maybe rub them underneath their chin and say, hey, it's okay. I'm with you. Take another step. And then I say up, up, and we start running and we pass the obstacle. And that's been her philosophy with them. And um, it's amazing when it she just tells you what to do and you do it and it works. And it's like, wow, this is very <laughs> proven method. And it just blows your mind how they respond. respond. Yeah. Um, but she's one of the hardest working people I've ever met. I mean, throwing hay bales up at almost 70 years old, you know, hay, um, hay fields, driving tractors. Uh, I mean, we were just out there a few weeks ago and um, she gave my son an honest day of work of mucking out stables and stalls and uh, just completely blasted us. We were exhausted afterwards. Um, and she loves, it's her love for the boroughs as a whole um, that just inspire us. And she does a lot with forums, but she's, she's just one of the amazing people. Amazing. Yeah, yeah man. Well, so I do want to hear like, has, have these skills translated to you? Cause you're just mentioning taking their hands and walking them to the edge. It just made me think of like parenting really, but also like managing people. And I know in your, you know, your military career, that's like a big part of it is managing people. And like, has the, have these skills translated and have you seen that in any, uh, in any way? Absolutely. And I, and I've been, so about a year ago, we had a, uh, a death on uh, due to cancer out here on Shreve River Space Force Base. And they had a tribute run and I brought the burrows out kind of as a distraction. Yeah. Um, so people can interact with them and, and feel that bond and help heal and through it. And we had a 5k run and I brought them out here and the family of, the, of that person that, you know, that passed away, the kids were there and it just kind of, they will get your, just like when you ran with them, they get your mind off all the trivial stuff. You just kind of zero in on them yeah. and they feed off your energy too. Yeah. So if you approach them and want to pet them and you're showing love, well, they're going to show it back. So they definitely, they have a way of healing people um, just like horses do. I think we all hear about that. Um, but yeah, definitely learning how to overcome um, obstacles with a burrow and looking at it differently from their perspective mm. is definitely one we all could use in our lives. You know, like what's the burrow looking at? What are they seeing out there? They see a pole, you know, or a paper bag. Well, to them, that's a threat. To them, that's black and white and there's no death. So looking at it from their perspective, it's just like what we should always do in our lives. You know, yeah. if we have conflicts. So. Yeah, man. Well, and that so, yeah. even makes sense to me, like as a teacher and a dad, like there are moments where your kids will come up to you and whatever's bothering them to your adult brain, you're like, that's dumb. Like that shouldn't be bothering you. <laughs> you know what I mean? But from their yeah. perspective, that's a scary thing or that's a really devastating thing that's happening in their lives. And you almost have to like put your own adult brain aside and try to be like, they have never faced anything like this. Like if there's a plastic bag on the trail, the burrow probably has never seen that ever and probably thinks that it could be a threat. And you almost have to like, in your brain, you're like, no, it's just a plastic bag, but you have to like kind of walk in another's shoes or whatever. Absolutely. We were doing a parade and um, there was a fire truck in front. Actually, the horns and stuff weren't, the sirens weren't bothering the donkeys at all, but they were dropping yeah. big spots of water yeah. and they mm. they don't see that death. They thought it's a black hole. So they're stopping and it took us forever to figure out, okay, why are they stopping? Yeah. And it was just big puddles of water. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's a big thing, right? I mean, at least from uh the running with sherman book he mentions a lot about i think a big part of his training was training sherman which is it's a great book i wonder uh what your kind of reaction to it as someone who 
does this sport because when I read it, you know, I had no experience. I'd never seen it or anything like that. But in the book, he talks about like water crossings being like a big hurdle um, for them to be successful. Absolutely. And it's a test of you and, and your skills to um, to motivate the borough and understanding them. So I think it's great. Um, another avenue of running and another adventure for people out there. So I'm so glad the book came out and yeah. that everybody gets to see how awesome it is. Um, borough racing is, but bridges and uh, that are our big challenges for boroughs because they have no depths. They only see black and white. Um, so you have to find a way to build uh, you know, the, the, you have to build a bond with them to get them across it. So maybe it's you going first, maybe it's mm. you soothing them underneath their chin, petting their ear, maybe it's food, right? Yeah. Or maybe it's just doing a circle yeah. and not let them overthink it. So it really just comes down to figuring out that burrow, figuring out what, what motivates them and how to comfort them. Um, but bridges are the big challenge usually. So. Yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> Well, dude, so just to kind of wrap up one, I definitely want to have you back on after the world championships. Like that sounds awesome, oh, absolutely. but I also either want, well, I definitely want to do a race, but also will you please tell me when you're racing in like Idaho Springs? Cause that should be easy for me to get up to, um, and to watch it. And oh, absolutely. On. Okay, sweet. And then I also have to ask, I was trying to remember where you're from in Iowa. Oh, I'm from Southwest Iowa, Essex, Iowa, small town. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, man. Okay. So, so I, I know nothing about Southwest Iowa, um, but I, but I've become really curious about this idea lately. So we can like kind of wrap up here. Um, when you think about your hometown, this has nothing to do with borough racing, but <laughs> when you think about your hometown, what do you think is some like, you know how like we take away what we want to take away from our experiences? And I feel like in your, in everyone's hometowns, there are these things we're, we're able to take away that have like benefited us the rest of our lives. And I'm just curious, like as a fellow Iowan, what was like maybe a trait or a lesson that you've taken away, um, from, from growing up in Southwest Iowa? You know, it is actually hard to narrow that down to one thing, but um, the thing that comes to the mind right out of the gate is hard work. Yeah. Um, you know, is just, you know, there wasn't a lot to do there. So you worked a lot. You did a lot, you know, the, you know, around the house, around the farms, around the community. You were always doing things to help others out too. I think it's just that, um, that drive to be outside to work. Um, I think that's one of the big things that helped translate. And, now that you mentioned it, now that I, I mentioned it, another thing would be um, you get familiar with your small town. You know everybody, so you're not afraid mm -hmm. to talk, and that just carries over to where you're at in the big world, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know everybody, so you're familiar with everybody. How you doing? How you doing? Yeah. And it just kind of carries over into a bigger world. Before you know it, you're on the big stage with lots of people, and that same mentality just comes out. You're like, okay, this is who I am. This is how I used to talk to people in Essex. Um, and you go forth. So All right. I think so that's two, probably the biggest. Two more real quick questions then. One, how many times in an ultra race or a trail race or a burrow race do you have to like give the Midwestern wave to like some? Like, I feel like I always have to say, hi, how you doing to every single person I meet <laughs> to the point where I'm annoyed with myself. But I'm like, I can't control it. I have to do it. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I was just walking out of my office right now, and this person walked by, and I was like, "Hi!" And a big smile. That's just what we always do. But um, mine's usually when I'm driving. I give the two finger wave to two everybody. Finger wave. <laughs> totally two finger wave. Totally two finger wave for sure. And when I go home to Iowa, I'm driving down a road, don't even know him. I get the two finger wave. Yep, the nod, <laughs> the nice nod, and maybe if yep. you have a hat, you're pulling on the hat a bit. Um, I've yep. also had it where like it's raining out and I'm running and I've had multiple, multiple people in Iowa pull over like on the same run, like someone pulled over. Hey, do you need a ride? Are you broken down? And I'm like, no, I'm, not. I'm doing this on purpose. And they're like, oh, okay, well, good luck. <laughs> and then they drive away. And then like five minutes later, another car pulls up, same conversation. So uh, that's just how yeah. it is though. That's why I like it, man. I'm, I, I really, I really appreciate people like that. And um, a really quick Mickey, cause I know you have to 
you're you're a busy man. But uh, a few weeks ago, I was back in Iowa, went to an Iowa Hawkeyes football game. And I don't know if I was just like, what's the thing where you're like biased? You're just confirmation bias. I'm just seeing politeness everywhere around me. But it was happening everywhere. People holding doors for everybody and and all of that. And I was like, ah, Iowa. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then last question, this will tie back into burrow racing. Have you ever said, oh, sorry to a burrow? <laughs> yes, all the time. <laughs> I knew it. Absolute, I knew it. <laughs> ab- absolutely. Yeah, it, it, I'm more of an oops, sorry type person. But um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, if I take them down the wrong path and it's like, oops, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. You name it. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's, oh yeah. That's just what we do, man. Well, Hey man, dude, always good talking <laughs> with you. Um, definitely want to get out for a run sometime uh, in the spring when, when all this snow melts and stuff. Yeah. I'll keep you in the loop. Definitely looking forward to it. All right. Thanks for coming on, man. That wraps up this week's episode of the Like a Bigfoot podcast. Uh, huge thanks for to Mickey for coming on the show. That guy has many, many, many stories. Like obviously, we just talked about one aspect of his life and his uh, athleticism and the sports that he's interested in and things like that. But uh, but yeah, just really, really, really enjoy Mickey. Uh, always have um, and. I just really appreciate him being on the show and and him sending me messages about, you know, joining for a borough run every now and then. Uh, and it's hard, man. Like, it's hard. I got we talked about it maybe a little bit throughout, but um, just being a dad and and, you know, you want your kids and activities and things like that. And it's hard to kind of like uh, kind of like whittle out the time for yourself to pursue your own passions and for Mickey to include his son in on his passion of burrow racing. And now his son gets to do this really cool, like unique thing. Um, I think that's powerful. I think, I think, uh, I think it's good for all of us to kind of look back and think about our lives and think about when we were kids, like what was that thing that made us feel, um, like we had something special, like the other people around us didn't do blank whatever that may be maybe it's burrow racing (laughs) uh maybe you know for me growing up it was hockey and not to say obviously like obviously i wasn't the only kid in iowa to play hockey um there was obviously a lot a lot of kids playing hockey but in my town there wasn't uh the nearest rink was like 45 minutes away and i loved having that i loved being like this is the thing that i do that is different than the people around me and i needed that as a kid like i i don't know about you all but i think as a kid you want to feel like you're special or unique in some sort of way in some form or fashion and i just know that i needed it and at the time i couldn't probably express it like i couldn't go and you know, I wouldn't have said that when I was like 12. I wouldn't be like, hockey is the thing that makes me unique. You'd be like, who is this 12-year-old? Why is he talking in such a weird way? Um, but now like reflecting as an adult, you know, I realized why that was so important to me. Um, even though at the time I probably couldn't have put it into words. Uh, so yeah, so I think about that though. And I think about my own kids and like, what's that thing going to be like for them? Or I think about my students. What is the thing that they're really proud of? Um, that other people might not do that make them stand out from a crowd. And it's kind of terrifying as a, as a teenager to stand out from the crowd because, you know, so much of what you're seeing in your little school society is people trying to fit in. Um, and so doing something that's unique, you know, maybe it's something you're interested in or whatever. That's, that's hard for you to, uh, kind of like fully embrace your passion for um because you're afraid of what other people might think and i just remember that was such a palpable feeling growing up like oh my god like if they if people find out that i like professional wrestling like that was one thing in my head when i was in like high school if people find out that i like professional wrestling like they're gonna just look at me weird and and like 
in it's so funny because now as an adult i'm like what was the worst thing that could happen they just be like i don't like that and you'd be like oh okay <laughs> that's how that would have worked out um and this is like the messages i try to pass on to my middle schoolers my own kids because i'm like dude like the things that you enjoy your interests that's what makes you unique and everyone's unique and that's what makes the world such a cool place and so when you find like a niche sport to tie it back into um Burrow racing, when you find such a niche sport and you find the people really passionate about it, uh, like Mickey, um, and, and you just see what, what it brings to like the joy that it brings to them. Like, I want to be at a start line of a burrow race because I want to see the chaos and the joy and the, you know, adrenaline all at once, just hitting everybody humans donkeys alike just everyone just just realizing you're gonna go sprint with a bunch of other humans and donkeys you know what i mean like i want to see that i want to witness that and i think if you've been in colorado i just remember when my dad moved out this this outro is all over the place ladies and gents so i apologize but when my dad moved out here to colorado when i was a kid um I do. I truly almost remember where I was at when he first told me about burrow racing because it just kind of blew my mind. I didn't know that was a thing that was like, I didn't know that was available. I was like, I didn't know that was an adventure that is available to human beings. Um, and I, I can almost remember when he told me that. And I think a lot of people in Colorado might have similar experiences, especially all of us transplants out here who just moved in from various parts of the country. Like there's a there's a time where someone's going to tell you about burrow racing and you might just be like, what in the world? And I would highly suggest at least checking it out at the least, but maybe like finding these people who do it and learning from them and giving it a shot. Cause like I said, when I was running with princess, the burrow and she just took off and she wasn't having any of my shit, like at all. Like she was not, she was not having, like she knew I was a newbie. She knew I was scared. She knew I had no idea what I was doing. And that was really, really good for me and my ego and my like sense of like i don't really want normalcy all the time and sometimes i want to have an adventure and sometimes i don't want control you know like so much of ultra running is like we control our controllables and so much of burrow racing is you still try to do that but your controllables are way down the list of things and you have to be okay with a little chaos and I think that's a good thing sometimes. I think it's good for our egos to remind ourselves like, hey, like in many ways in this world and this burrow race, like I am not in charge here. Like I, I'm i going to react the best I can and respond the best I can to situations. Um, but sometimes, man, you're just holding on. <laughs> so, yeah. Um this outro might have just won the award for weirdest out outro in podcast history. Like, I think my brain just went blank for like five minutes there. Uh, and I just said some stuff and I hope some of it made sense. I hope some of it may have inspired you to do something cool <laughs> or something or find something that you're passionate about or brings you joy. And yeah, dude, go out, do something new. Go have some fun. Uh, yeah. Or if it's December and it's freezing cold and you're stuck in snow, like start planning your spring. Start coming up with things to look forward to. All right. We will get back at you next week.